I always knew my mother had a secret. She guarded it fiercely, keeping it under lock and key. That was how I envisioned it, a hidden chamber tucked away in the recesses of my mother's twisted mind. But her secret was too big to be contained, and it would ooze out like a thick slurry, poisoning her thoughts and covering our family in darkness. When I was 19, my mother accidentally gave me a clue to her past. Yet it would take me years to gather the courage to learn more. Eventually, I followed a trail of breadcrumbs that led me across an ocean into an institution's macabre and baroque history. Only then did I discover the agony of generations of women scorned by society and of thousands of innocent children imprisoned, although they had committed no crime. And I would dredge up family secrets that forced me to reassess everything I had ever known. Of course, I didn't know any of that when the phone rang that morning. I only knew it was an odd time for my father to call. I need your help. It's your mother. His voice was strained and loud. I had trouble concentrating as he described the events that had unfolded earlier that morning. My mother tightly clutching the steering wheel as she careened through a labyrinth of twisting hillside roads. My father racing close behind in his matching black jaguar, desperate to stop her. Luckily, he'd caught up with her before she could run herself off the road. She said she had to go to the hospital. The hospital? Why? Was she hurt? No. My father offered no further information, but he wasn't really calling to explain. And I wouldn't find out where my mother had been trying to go that day until years after her death. I have to be in court today. I don't care, I wanted to say. But the words stuck in my throat. One thing I'd picked up in my 19 years was the intuition to dread what I knew was coming next. It's not safe to leave her alone. Images flashed before me, jagged shards of glass on an oriental rug, a paper mache pinata swinging from a tree, broken dolls strewn across sleek hardwood floors. I pulled my textbooks out of my backpack and returned them to the desk as my arms began to tingle, my fingers going numb. I usually had more time to prepare myself. I tried not to think about what I would find as I drove across the Bay Bridge, watching the city's skyline come into view before heading south toward Hillsborough. We'd left San Francisco when I was six, my father eager to escape the damp city fog that triggered his claustrophobia, my mother more than happy to relocate to one of California's most prestigious zip codes. On the face of things, the wealthy enclave where we landed was a magical place for a child, and the neighborhood kids had the run of its wide, quiet streets. We'd duck into gaps in the hedges that concealed manicured gardens, using the holes in the thick vegetation as secret tunnels to evade capture during our games of hide and seek. On our corner stood an empty manor house we'd crawl into through an unlocked window, running through its grand rooms with our arms spread wide as if we were flying, or taking turns riding from floor to floor in the dumbwaiter. One at a time, we would climb into the small wooden box to be hoisted and lowered by the rest of the group, the ropes creaking as they threaded their way through the rusting pulleys. But Hillsborough lost its brilliance as I got older, and soon I could see only its blemishes reflected in my mother's eyes her blind idolatry of wealth and status, how she name-dropped the famous people who lived around the corner in the English accent she hadn't lost, despite her decades in the States, her triumphant grin when we scored the best table at an exclusive restaurant.
My eventual escape to Berkeley had given me the perfect antidote to an upbringing I'd grown to despise. The clamor of urban life providing a comfort our home never could. I basked in the grittiness of noisy streets, the beatnik cafes and bookstores, the street vendors and shirtless hippies whooping through games of hacky sack on Sproul Plaza. Even though I was only 40 minutes away, my life felt like my own. By the time I pulled into the driveway, my father was gone. I parked a few feet behind my mother's shiny black jaguar in its usual spot. Nothing seemed out of place. The lawn was freshly mown, the roses untrammeled. I climbed a set of brick stairs to the front door, surveying the row of arched windows that lined my childhood home for any hint of what awaited me. The front door was unlocked. I took a deep breath as I pushed it open and peeked into the living room, where the gold upholstered furniture perfectly complemented the giant hand-woven rug and the various objets d'art gathered by my mother on her frequent trips to Butterfield and Butterfield were strategically placed on antique tables and in glass display cases. It was the sort of room designed to impress or intimidate, but I was only looking for signs of disarray, a couch cushion off kilter, a toppled figurine. None of the ornate furnishings appeared to have been disturbed, so I inched down the hallway, gently dragging my fingertips along the bright white walls.